from heaven. And then we skip over to the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 1. And this is what they were waiting for. This is what Jesus told them to wait for when he said to wait here in Jerusalem, tarry here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, until you be given power from heaven. Because what God wanted us to know is that we should not try to do his work on our own power and our own strength. As a matter of fact, one of the scriptures I'll be reading, I think it's good to throw it in right here, is Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that's a wonderful thing for us to remember. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we can't live for God. Without him, we can't minister for God. Without him, we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. So over in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability or gave them the utterance. Different versions say it different ways. That was the birth of the church. That was the beginning of the church. And God intended the church to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He intended for you and I as individuals to, to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. And throughout the course of this month, we're going to get into all of that and see what that means. But He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Again, He wants us to live in the power of Almighty God. He wants us to remember that without Him, we can do nothing. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you will anoint this place, anoint me, anoint every listener to hear a word from you, God, that we can get clear guidance from the Bible, and we thank you for it in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. So what a wonderful month this is going to be, where the subject is going to be the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit means so many things to different people. In our congregation, we've got people that's got Pentecostal backgrounds, and, and you've been a part of everything, and you've seen all kind of things. You've seen it happen. You've seen God move. You've seen uh, services where the Spirit of God was moving. The power of God was there. Maybe you've been in services where people were falling out. People were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Some might have seen some things that were really wild and crazy that, that you didn't understand. And, and sometimes things happen in Pentecostal churches that, that really aren't from God. That's the background that, that some have. Uh, somebody was telling me a little while ago, but this just morning, about um, being in a in a Baptist college and openly telling people that they were Pentecostal. And I shouldn't have mentioned the name of the denomination because when I say that, I'm not being critical of the not. I don't I don't criticize other denominations in any way. But uh, they just uh, jokingly, somebody in the one of their roommates or somebody in their dorm came up to him and says, "So you're Pentecostal?" And he said, "Yeah." Go look in the closet. <laughs> but be careful, they might bite you. Of course, he was making reference to the joke that there are some Pentecostals that actually in their services, they pull out rattlesnakes and hold them and dance around and speak in tongues. And I don't mind telling you that I don't really, I don't believe that's from, from God at all. Now, if you do, you have your way and I'm not going to hinder you. And, uh, but, you know, that I just don't believe, I think that's a terrible misunderstanding of Scripture. Because the Bible says, you know, that you'll take up serpents and they won't harm you. Well, the Bible did not say take up serpents. 
it's kind of like what happened. We have an illustration in the book of Acts where that happened. Paul was shipwrecked on an island, and he was gathering wood to make a fire. And when they let the fire, there was a, a snake in that fire that jumped out and, and bit Paul. And it was a very venomous snake. And in the natural, the people of the island came out there, and they said to themselves, they said, well, I guess, you know, he escaped the storm and lived through that, but justice has taken care of him because the snake is going to bite him, has bitten him, and he's going to die. And they said normally it would swell up and just almost explode physically, but Paul was not harmed. Of course, because of that miracle, many people got saved. But that's not a matter of taking up snakes and playing with them. That's kind of like jumping off the temple in my mind. But who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to talk about the Trinity a little bit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to understand there is but one God. The great I Am, as He calls Himself in the Bible. He has revealed Himself to us in three persons as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not easily and perfectively understood, perfectly understood by most of us. And why should it be? Because we're talking about God. Somebody said one time, who would want a God that we could fully understand or we could ever figure out? Well, we want God because He's God, but He is God, and our simple minds didn't always understand completely everything about Him. So it can't always be understood by most of us, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. While some may not like the following explanation, I'm going to say it anyway, and I want you to hear it well, and this is what it is. God is God and has always been and always will be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. However, the revealing of Himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is mostly for our benefit in helping us to understand and relating to God and His work in our lives. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying that He's not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but a wonderful way, what a wonderful way for God to present Himself to all of us because He is a wonderful, loving Father. And if you ever had a great Father, unfortunately, you know, in the world there's not a whole lot. we got a lot of wonderful men of God and wonderful fathers in this church, and it's a great thing. If you had a great Father, it is going to enhance your relationship with God the Father. And if you didn't have a great Father, it may be hard to have a good relationship with God the Father. But what God wants you to do is, no matter what the past is, is understand who God the Father is now. He is a loving Father. He is a kind Father. He is a, help, a helping Father. He is a forgiving Father. He is one that gives you guidance for your own good. He's a great, great Father. And then Jesus, the Son of God, we can relate to Him because He lived in this world as we have. He became a man, fully man. He had everything. He dealt with everything that you and I have ever dealt with as a human being. He had a physical body that was limited. He had to walk where he wanted to go. He felt pain like we feel, like we feel he was tempted in every way, every way, just like we're all tempted, every bit of it. So we know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, wow, what's he all about? Well, we're going to find out as we go through this study, the work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this. God as Father helps us to relate to God when we understand what a loving Father He is. Jesus helps us to understand that God was willing to come to this earth, become one of us, and die for our sins so that we can be saved. What a wonderful 
Savior we have. God the Holy Spirit helps us to have a personal relationship with God because He is the one who walks alongside us, guides us, and comforts us as we go through this life surrendered to the lifestyle that He wants us to live. So we can say that, yes, we normally talk about our personal relationship with Jesus, but what we need to understand is we can have a personal relationship with the Father, with the Son, and a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us in our culture to think of God the Father sitting up in heaven on a big, beautiful throne. Maybe I'm just giving you my idea. On a big, beautiful throne, and he's got a long beard, and he's old. That's God the Father. Well, it really isn't God the Father, but that's kind of the picture that a lot of people have. And then we think of Jesus, and we've seen all the pictures of Jesus. He's very handsome. He had long hair and a beard. So we can easily relate to him because we know he's sitting right at the right hand of the Father according to the Bible. And at the same time, the Bible says that God is everywhere. So again, it's one of those things. He's there and he's here. The Holy Spirit, we don't normally think of the Holy Spirit in the form of some physical being. And I'm just saying in general, you may have a whole different idea than I do. But we kind of think of the Holy Spirit as like floating around. He is everywhere. He's like here and there. But you know what? He, God is a spirit. And whether, I don't need to think of the Holy Spirit as someone that has a body standing next to me, but he's right there next to me. He's also in me. He has filled me. But the Bible says his name is one that walks alongside. In other words, as his personal ministry to us, he is the one. Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And But what I'm trying to get across is don't get all confused by all of this. Because in a sense, God the Father is here. Jesus Christ is here. The Holy Spirit is here. But in the terms of Jesus, he was going back to sit down at the right hand of the Father, and he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that's what we read about on the day of Pentecost. You see, everybody that's saved has the Holy Spirit in them, but not everybody that is saved has the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be focused on on the third Sunday of this month because I want to get into some other things. Actually, today I want to get into what I would call the most important thing about the Holy Spirit that we all need to know. And we're going to get into that before I'm done. First of all, though, I want you to see the Holy Spirit was working in the human life of Jesus. Try to figure that out. Actually, the Holy Spirit was working in the, in the physical life of Jesus. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit brought about the conception of Jesus. When Jesus was conceived in Mary, the Holy Spirit is the one that came and brought about that conception in her. It says in Luke 1.35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So Jesus was completely God and he was completely human. Again, one of those things that most of us, including me, cannot fully understand. Something else we need to understand, and a lot of this is groundwork for things that we're going to be looking at later on in this message and later on in the month. The Holy Spirit settled on him, Jesus, when he was baptized in water. Matthew 3 and 16 says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, settling 
on Jesus Christ right there in that Jordan River. The Holy Spirit is the one who led Jesus to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit did that. Some people probably think, no, the devil lured him out into the wilderness. No, the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted. And he did that because Jesus needed to go through this temptation right at that point after he has has had the Holy Spirit come down upon him in the Jordan River after the Father at that same time said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. As Jesus came up out of that water, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove, and a voice was heard from heaven. And this is a very significant voice. And the voice of the Father said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to get something from that. And what I want you to get is that at that point, Jesus had done no miracles. He hadn't done any ministry, but his father was still pleased with him. I think what we can grab out of that is that so many times in our relationship with God, we relate God's happiness with us to what we do for him, right? Our significance in the kingdom of God is related to what we're accomplishing, what we're doing for him. But God is pleased with you and I when our heart is right with him when we're willing some people seem to do more than others but it doesn't mean God's not pleased with you or me if we're doing any less we need to understand that God's play God just loves us he just loves us it's an unconditional love it's not based on our accomplishments it's not based on our position in the church he doesn't love me more any more than he loves the nursery workers down there because I'm up here preaching to you on Sunday he probably is is realizing they're doing a harder work than I'm doing. It's not always easy to preach, but it's certainly not easy to be down there with the babies. I never did. I mean, I changed a lot of diapers when our son needed them. Sometimes not always right when he needed them <laughs> when Pam was out, but I've changed diapers, and I'll tell you right now, I'm not for it. And I do want to say, that's not why we only had one child, <laughs> but it didn't hurt my feelings any. So anyway, back to the spiritual part of this message. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted because you and I needed to know that Jesus was tempted. And his temptation in the wilderness was not his only temptation. He faced him. You know what? The Bible says he was tempted like we are. That tells me that what he faced in the wilderness was not his only temptation. There were many other temptations that, that the devil tried to bring on him that were not recorded in the Scripture. But Jesus taught us a lesson when he went out there in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He taught us that you fight temptation with the Word of God. He didn't stand up before the devil and say, hey, devil, I'm the Son of God. I'm not going to give in to your sin. So he was not using his position. He used what you and I are to use, the Word of God. When the devil comes against you, bring out the Word of God because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And that's what the devil, he runs from the sword of the Spirit. He runs from the Word of God. So get to know the Word of God. Get to know, uh, I mean, you know what? I believe any Scripture will do, but specific Scriptures for the situation is much, much better. Get to know them. Get to know all the Scriptures. So he was led out there, and it, and it says in Mark, I mean, excuse me, Matthew 4, 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. The next thing we need to know is that Jesus had power over demons through the Holy Spirit. 
All of these things are important because <clears throat> Jesus did all of this through the power of the Holy, as, as a human being, he did it all through the power of the Holy Spirit to send a message to you and I that we can live like this, we can have that power ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and working in us and working through us. That's what this is all about. It's easy for us to think, well, he's God. He can do all this because he's God. Well, he was God. He was still God. But during his earthly life, he lived and worked spiritually and physically as a human being. So he had power. How do we know that? It says it in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And he used the word if, but it was kind of a funny way of saying, I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God. So the kingdom of God has come to you. That's what he was getting across. So if you and I, if there ever comes a time, and, and, and you better make sure, when you're working in the realm of the Holy Spirit and, and demons, you better know it's God. Not everybody that acts strange has a demon. Okay? <laughs> we need to understand that. There are genuinely people that are demon-possessed. There are people that have an oppression, an attack of of demonic activity against them does not mean that they are filled with a demon or possessed by a demon. But we need to understand, and, and again, you know, I don't think everything that happened, I don't think demons are just, uh, they're around. The thing is, we don't really know how many demons there are. Does anybody know? If you do, don't embarrass me. Tell me later. <laughs> because nobody knows how many there are. We don't know, you know, if, if there's one right fighting against us 24 hours a day. Certainly the principles of evil are fighting against us, and there's probably enough to go around for everybody. But not everybody's demon-possessed. Not everybody that does evil and wickedness is demon-possessed. They are just choosing to live a wicked life. But there are people that are demon-possessed. And if you ever need to cast out a demon, you need to be use wisdom with that. But you also need to understand it's through the power of the Holy Spirit not our power, not our authority, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're going to fight a demon, you better be full of the Holy Spirit. You better be full of the Word of God because if you don't, you're going to get beat up bad. And that's in the book of Acts. But we're not going to get into that right now. See how I said this might not, you know, a month may not be enough. Matter of fact, so why does it matter that Jesus worked in the power of the Holy Spirit? I've already mentioned this, but I'm going to read John 14 and 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus is saying, I, I want you to have this power. I want every believer to have the power, the full power of the Holy Spirit, not so that we can go around flaunting our spirituality, Matter of fact, if, if God's using you greatly, I would go overboard staying humble. I would go overboard not trying to tell everybody what God is doing in your life. God will let people know if that's important. But what we need to do is to be humble. I believe one of the reasons we don't see the kind of miracles that sometimes we hear about from other parts of the world is because God can't find enough humble people in America that He can use that will stay humble. 
I mean, if somebody came in here and they were in a wheelchair and I prayed for them and they got up and run out of the church walking, came back the next Sunday walking and the next month walking, somebody would say, Pastor, you got to start a ministry. And we're going to call it Brad Fussell Ministries, BFM. And we're going to get a logo. And we're going to go on television. And we're going to start renting the Phillips Arena that's not there anymore. You know what I'd say? Honestly. And I'm not trying to portray my humility to you. I'm just saying I don't believe that's God's plan. Now, I'm not saying. I'm telling you, there are people that God leads into ministries. But what God wants is some people that he can use to do great and mighty things, and then they'll step out of the way and give him all the glory. And people will say, not, don't look at what Brad Fussell has done or anybody else has done. Look at what God has done. That's what it's all about is to give God glory. So Jesus worked through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if he did that, we got to do that. We got to do that. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm throwing out some things here that I really didn't plan for. I hope it's okay. And I'm not asking you if it's okay. <laughs> I'm hope asking him if it's okay. And I believe it is. But um, I have a trouble sometimes. We got people in the church that God uses wonderfully. We've experienced that this morning. Some genuine words from the Lord, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I have trouble saying that I have a gift. I may say God used me. And if y'all have, if anybody here has said that, I'm not saying this because you've said that. I don't even know if anybody said that. That's what I've heard all my life. Well, I so-and-so has the gift. You know what I like to say? God has used me in the gift. And he'll probably use me again in the gift. And I think the same for you. If you want to say I got it, then you go ahead. I'm not going to argue or discuss it or anything like that. But I, I, I believe that's the way it is. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll get into those at another time. And they're very powerful, and God wants all of them to be in operation in the church. But you know what? They're not just for the church. We got this thing in our mind that all of this stuff is just for church services so we can have great services. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you from the Word of God, the gifts of the Spirit can be as powerful, even more powerful, outside the church. I'm telling you. So let's go on. The power of the Holy Spirit, and this is the most important thing. I don't think everybody will agree with me, but that's okay. If you don't agree with me, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, if you want to ever sit down and have a discussion about it, but I'm, you know, and I'm, I don't like to argue with people, but I have an obligation to preach what the Word of God is saying, and it's very clear to me what the Word of God is saying. The main power of the Holy Spirit is to evangelize the world. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible makes that clear, and I want us to keep that in mind as we go through the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit later this month, as we go through receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit this month, as we talk about speaking in tongues, which always kind of scares a lot of people. But don't let that scare you. We're not going to make you get up here and speak in tongues. We're going to let the Holy Spirit fill people and give them that wonderful prayer language, which is incredibly marvelous. It's so wonderful to get along with God and, and pray in the Spirit. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that. In the midst of all that the work, all the work of the Holy Spirit, I want us to understand the main reason Jesus sent the Holy Spirit is so that you and I can have the power to evangelize the world. First of all, God wants you to have the power as an individual to be able to witness to other people for Him. 
You and I need to be witnesses for him. And you're probably thinking, oh, pastor, don't get into that. That scares me to death. Well, let me say, tell you something. Every person in this building is witnessing. You may think, well, I'm not witnessing. I haven't talked to anybody about Jesus for a long time. Yes, you have. Everybody that knows you, you're witnessing to them. Everybody that sees you, you're witnessing to them. Some people are a good witness and some people aren't. <laughs> you're witnessing to your children. You're witnessing to your spouse. You're witnessing to your teachers. You're witnessing to your co-workers. You're witnessing to people around you. Everything we do, everything we say, and, and all of us are a good witness at times and some of us are a bad witness at times, but our goal should be to be a good witness. But you know what? Beyond that, I believe even as a person, even though it's scary sometimes, not only should our life be witnessing to people, but sometimes we just need to be talking to somebody about the Lord. We don't need to be obnoxious. We need to be available. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, if we're willing to be used by God, God will bring people into our life. Maybe they're in trouble. Maybe somebody at work will come up to you and say, listen, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I need prayer. And you can say, well, I know why you're telling me this, because I'm going to pray and I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want you to know that he is the one that makes me different. And it's not any goodness in me. It's all what he is putting in me. And so God wants us to remember that. And unfortunately, too many Pentecostal churches have had a powerful move of God. I've been in some of them to a powerful move of God. And you know what I've seen happen in one church I pastored? Every time we would just have an incredible, a genuine, real, powerful move of God, people getting filled with the Spirit, people getting healed, people would go out and they would have such a good time around the dinner table saying, man, I can't wait for some more of that. And then they come back to church and God would keep filling them and filling them. And then they say, oh, I can't wait to get some more of that. And you know what happens? Before you know it, they don't have one thought about winning anybody to Christ. Because when you get filled with the Spirit, many times it just feels good. Anytime you're in the presence of God, it feels good. And sometimes we just get this thought, well, I just want to feel good again. But that ain't what happens. That's not why the Lord sends the Holy Spirit. It's not so His people can come to church and, and have a, a wonderful time. Don't misunderstand. I'm praying that God's going to move in your life and in my life in the church, in your home, in your car. You might want to pull over, but just feel you so full and running over with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that. We need it more today than we've ever needed. We need God the Holy Spirit in us. We need a relationship with God the Holy Spirit every single day. But don't let that bring selfishness, spiritual selfishness upon us. Let's say, God, thank you for filling me up so full Sometimes people get full up, they just can't even hardly walk to the car. But you know what? That's not what it's all about. It's about you taking the power of God that God has implanted in you through the Holy Spirit and going out and living a life that makes everybody around you want to become a child of God. That you are so different, you are so loving, you are so kind, you are so interested in what they're going through that all of a sudden they, they realize, hey, something happened. You know what? We got some adults in this place. And you haven't been a Christian all your life. I'm not going to name anybody, so don't get nervous. And some of you, your children, they saw what you used to be. They saw, and you realize now that you wasn't the greatest dad or you wasn't the greatest mom when they were growing up. And then, all of a sudden, something happened to you. You got saved. You might have got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they saw that change in you. 
And I want to tell you something. God can wipe away all the mess that we did before we got saved, and that can become a great witness to our children, to our spouses, to our, our siblings, whoever it might be. And that can be tremendous. But we got to understand, we need to be a witness. We need to be kind to those people that are hard to be kind to. Jesus was a very kind man. The only thing, the only people he got rough with was those spiritual people in the temple, those Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and he loved them. Many of them became followers of Jesus, but he was kind of hard on them. He didn't like their hypocrisy, and he told them that. But with all the sinners that he came in contact with, remember, he's working through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was kind. He was loving. He was forgiving. And that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be that kind of person that, you know, when the next-door neighbor is driving us nuts, and we're going to get out there, and we're going to have our rights. I've got rights and I'm going to go up and I'm going to stand up to him and I'm going to tell him like it is. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind and there may be some words that come out that God's not pleased with, but I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get the job done. You think God's pleased with that? Well, there might be a few men standing around and saying, all right, this is, the kind of, this is a real guy. But what's Jesus thinking? And I'm not saying, you know, let your neighbor, you know, throw all his garbage over in your yard. I'm not saying you got to put up with that, but... We can be children of God that God has used. So, the power of the Holy Spirit is to evangelize the world. Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The power that comes from the Holy Spirit can easily be called the ability to do things that we are not able to do on our own. You might be thinking, well, I could never talk to anybody about Jesus. Don't make me feel bad, Pastor. Why can't you? If God is able, he can help you. And that should be the attitude. All you got to say is something like this. Well, it ain't easy for me to go out and witness to somebody, but God's going to help me. It's not going to be easy when that co-worker, when, when the Holy Spirit opens up an opportunity. Now, you know, if God sends you out on the street to talk to everybody about him that comes by, go ahead. But the wonderful thing is when God has prepared a situation, and you're realizing, hey, God has given me this opportunity. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say, but I believe you're going to give me the words. And then all of a sudden, a few minutes later, you're walking away saying, wow, where'd that come from? I need to write that down as quick as I can. Don't worry about writing it down because he'll give you the words for the next person. And everybody we witness to, to is different. So the power that comes from the Holy Spirit is the ability. It's the ability to do what God wants us to do. John 15 and 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And here it is. Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you hadn't got anything out of this message today but this, get this. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. You say, Well, I've done a whole lot of things. You hadn't done anything that's valuable. And I've accomplished a lot of things. Well, I, I didn't need Jesus to do that. Yeah, you did. You didn't know you did. You didn't know Jesus was helping you, but he was helping you all the way. Matter of fact, without him, you can't even live one more moment because he's the one putting the breath in our lungs, breathing every breath we take, he provides it. Try to make your own air. Everybody right now, shut your nose and close your mouth.
Well, Mike Barnes isn't here, so we better not do that anymore. <laughs> Anybody else know CPR? I remember one time in school, this guy, this classmate did that. Held his breath, passed out on the floor, started turning blue. Everybody's laughing up a storm. <laughs> it wasn't funny to me, and it wasn't me. Apart from him, we can do nothing. For most of us, talking to others about Jesus is hard. Every witnessing situation is different. Remember that. Every witnessing situation is different. The message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 was exactly what that crowd needed to hear. The message that Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7 was exactly what that crowd needed to hear. When Jesus witnessed to Nicodemus, the guy that came to him by night, you know what he did? He didn't say, hello, Nicodemus. How are you doing? He just looked up at Nicodemus, and the first thing he says is, you must be born again. He knew Nicodemus didn't want to beat around the bush. He knew what he'd come for. We don't need to have any small talk here. But then when Jesus met the woman at the well, he didn't say that to her. He said, would you give me a drink? He wanted a drink, but he wasn't, that wasn't what that was all about. And then they started having a conversation, and that conversation led into him being the Son of God and led into her getting saved, and a lot of these Samaritans getting saved. So when you, you and I, we might have a soul-winning plan, we just need to be full of the Holy Spirit, and he will help us to know what to say. Well, what we desire can tell us a lot about ourselves. And as we go through this preaching about the Holy Spirit and Many of you know everything that I'm saying. I'm not going to teach you anything new. That's not the goal. But I want you to understand this. What we desire can tell us a lot about ourselves. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. One of the most misunderstood verses in all the Bible. Did you know that? Because a lot of us, we've quoted that, and, oh, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me everything I want. That's not what it says. It says he will give you the desires of your heart. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. What he's trying to say, what the Word of God is saying there, is that if we will delight ourselves in him, the things that we start desiring will be things that he puts there. It won't be all the desires that we've lived with, you know, for things and all of this other stuff. Our greatest desire will be for God and for his will to do what he wants us to do in life, and he will give us those desires. So what we desire, and we desire all kind of things. I desire all kind of things, and I, I fight it all the time. I don't know why. Man, I've had the same cell phone for three months. That's a miracle. Not because I didn't want something different. Three long months. How do, how do you folks do that? Some of you have had a cell phone for two or three years. Some of you have got cell phones from the 1900s. <laughs> You're still carrying a bag around with you. No. But you know what? There's all kind of desires. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with most of them. There's nothing wrong with most of our desires. But what we got, and, and you know, it's not like you've got to feel bad for that. What we've got to re remember is what do we desire the most? What do we really desire the most? Is it always on the things of this world? Yeah, it's going to be on the things of this world sometimes. But do we have those times daily where, God, I'm desiring you. 
and I'm desiring your presence. And I desire for you to use my life to win someone to Christ. I desire to love your word, God. Help me to desire the word. Help me desire the spiritual things in life more than all of this other stuff that I'm interested in. That's what's important. What do we desire the most? And sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes it is. But God will help us. I want my desire to be God. I want to desire you. I want to just look forward and desire those times that I can just sit with the Bible and read it and ingest it into my life and make it a part of me. I love those times, Lord, when you lay a message on my heart to preach to the wonderful people that you've given me to pastor. God, I, I desire for this church to be a church that is winning souls to Jesus. And by everything we do and constantly asking God to give us new ways and new plans of evangelism. I desire this church to continue to give to missions. Every penny of that money that was put in that bucket this morning is going to leave this church. And every penny of it is going to be available to missions, missionaries around the world to reach lost people. Some of it is going to put the gospel on the internet, which millions of people are hearing about Jesus through the internet. I'm telling you, that's what I want our church to be. And continue to be. That's what we are. But I don't want us to ever let that slack up. When it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, remember the power of the Holy Spirit is to give us power to witness. Plenty of other power for other things, but mainly the power to evangelize this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment?